So Kelly, the last couple of weeks, we've been talking a lot about goals and resolutions and a lot. Yeah. Yeah. There's been, there's been a couple episodes and your mom gratefully had something to say about that. Well, happy Monday. Welcome back to work. I have decided that the reason I don't like the word resolution after listening to Sarah talk about semantics is that it's the end. In literature, the resolution is the wrap-up. It's the denouement. It's the, you know, end. I don't like it. Um, I don't even feel like my life has reached the turning point yet. So we're not ready for a resolution. But in terms of conflict solving, I think my biggest conflict is with myself, and I'm going to stop having those conflicts with myself, and that is my goal. There we go. Um, You were talking about the measurement of units of running. And I was thinking about the, I don't know, maybe it was something you told me about the Olympics and how what we really need is like a regular, ordinary human being in there with these Olympic athletes so that we have some sense of scale. When you take photographs of large buildings and things, they very often want somebody to stand there so you have a human scale. So here's your human scale for running. I haven't been around the block in two years, probably. And yesterday, I went to run on the treadmill at the little fitness place near me. And it took me half an hour to jog run two miles. So there's your human scale. Okay, so her point about like a regular person for perspective, this was this whole notion during the Olympics that you like forget that these people are really good. You need like a regular person running next to them to be like, oh, like that's how good they are. Except here's the question, Sarah. What is a regular, like what even is regular? Who is average? What is normal? I know. It's like, it's what you want to see. When I think about that Olympic example, like what you actually want to see is someone just like you running beside them. Like, right, we, like we think that we are the norm, right? Because uh, it wouldn't like, what good would it do me to see? I don't know if I saw like my grandmother, she lived to be 107. If she if she was running beside an Olympian, that still wouldn't give me a reference point to how good they are compared to me. And all we care about is me. I was watching this new show this week. One of the you know how I'm into like the American Ninja Warrior shows. Everyone knows. Yeah. So I like it, too. Thanks to you. (laughs) This new show from The Rock called the Titan games mm-hmm. and they keep going on about these are regular people tackling extreme feats. And then I was like, and they said this so many times. I was like, well, what does that even mean? Like what is regular? Would they like not let me on the show? They'd be like, well, you're a pro. And I'd be like, well, I'm not that good guys. Like I'm pretty sure I'm regular, but then clearly these people, they're like tipping over giant stone columns. They're obviously not actually average statistically. Right. Cause like a statistically average person would like run into that wall and just like fall over. And it would be, hilarious so i don't know like maybe what maybe we're talking like statistical average right i don't know yeah maybe maybe but still what would that be like it's still like average at what like at the 100 meters so you would take like so if you're doing the 100 meters you would take like the average i i I, i'm still beating less this also like gets to goals because we keep talking about how it can set like when somebody who's really, really good is like, well, I want to win the world championship. That sounds crazy, right? Compared to a regular person who's like, I want to complete my 10 K. But like the person who could always win the world championship is close to almost winning the world championship. Right. And it's like the same degree away from it as the person who just wants to complete the 10 K. It's like, cause I always think I'm always like, Oh man, life would be so much easier if I was just like happy about completing a 10 K. But if I was happy about completing a 10 K, it would be, because it was challenging, 
Yeah. And so it wouldn't be easy. Yeah. I've, I've always thought this. I've always thought that people, because sometimes people will look at a pro athlete and think that they have it easy somehow because they are able to make a goal of like, say, winning an Ironman or something, right. right? That somehow this is easier. But I like fundamentally disagree with this. And now that I'm no longer a pro athlete, I can tell you that like, now that I'm doing CrossFit, okay, we know that I'm doing CrossFit, and <laughs> I've mentioned it a few times before, um, but it's, it is equally as rewarding for me to, for example, like when I was trying to become one of the best runners off the bike in the world, right, like trying to run a three-hour marathon, that's like just as rewarding when you hit goals as like learning to do a handstand push-up. Right. Which is like my learning to do your first handstand push up is absolutely miles and miles away from being the best CrossFitter in the world. <laughs> right. Right. So like it, it, but it's those things are just as rewarding because you set your if you set your goals at an appropriate place. So I just I just think it's like all relative. You'll be shocked to learn right. that it's I live a in shocking, a great world and it's all relative. Conclusion coming from Sarah. <laughs> I'm going to take a hard stand here and be like, you all are lazy no. <laughs> and wrong. Awesome. Okay. We're going to talk a little bit more about goals later, um, but coming up on the show, should we eat roadkill? <laughs> the wild, wild world of triathlon sponsorship. And have we destroyed the millennials? Live Feisties, If We Were Riding is brought to you by Ass Kicker Inc., Ass Kicker makes activewear for women, featuring empowering phrases like work hard, play hard, kick ass, or strong women lift each other up. Ass Kicker Inc. also makes our fabulous Live Feisty tank tops, t-shirts, hoodies, and leggings. So to order yours, go to livefeisty.com and just choose shop from the menu. And of course, use the code RIDING to save 20%. That's RIDING, as in if we were at livefeisty.com. And remember, I before E, except if you're feisty. I'm Kelly O'Mara. And I'm Sarah Gross. And you're listening to Live Feisties If We Were Riding. My time, my time. None of you people can tell me to stop. This time, like the last time. You better get ready to race in the top. I'm ready to do this. Show you what the truth is. I step on the field. Okay, this is a Canadian question, but I want to know, is eating roadkill common or not common in Canada? I have, you'll be shocked to learn, absolutely no idea. that The, the idea, I, okay, I have heard of people eating, I have heard of this eating roadkill thing before, before you mentioned it in the newsletter and, and clicked and put the link there. But that just like the idea just grosses me out. Okay. But that's probably because you've been indoctrinated and you're accepting cultural societal standards and norms that, you, and you know, you shouldn't do that. Right. How many other societal norms do you reject, Sarah? About, reject this about, one? You about around like how we kill animals, like how it's like, if it's like, if they're killed like clinically, it's okay. But if they're killed right. by a vehicle, I don't know. It's just something that like fundamentally grosses me out about like just kind of the dirt and the grime of like, well, I think kill. you like clean it off. FYI. Anyway. <laughs> but, then, but then also. The types of animals that get killed as well, it's kind of like, I think it's common to have like a repulsion for animals you don't normally eat and then be able to eat like cows. Like if the roadkill was a cow. Oh, then you'd eat it? I think this is actually, okay, so this came up because it's actually really common in Alaska to butcher and eat like animals that get killed and which are often like moose up there. That's what 
that's like the no, common that makes sense field. to me like, See? I'm like yeah good and there, and also like Alaskans have like the hardy spirit, the like make the most of things, you know, survive off the land. But then in the rest of the U.S., there actually been laws passed like banning eating roadkill, which is weird because you know that is weird. One of those, you know, like the whole there's always a contest. Like we need a law. You're supposed to, we should have a new like we don't need that law contest. <laughs> We definitely don't like, need that. Law. We definitely don't need that law. And now they're repealing some of those in an effort to actually encourage people not to like waste all these animals right yeah it's just it's hard to imagine an environment where like most of our roadkill here would be squirrels and deer yeah and what if we call deer venison then do you feel better about it i feel slightly better about a deer than about a squirrel well okay (laughs) don't eat the squirrels okay fine (laughs) if it was like chickens running across the road i don't know then you should eat the chickens what are your feelings would you eat any and all roadkill well, I don't know how to butcher things, so that would be my, like, uh, roadblock well, here. Neither do I. I. We don't need to be, like, that <laughs> practical about the answer. I'm just saying, question. if I could learn how to, like, effectively butcher and cook meat, which also I don't know how to cook, like, I don't do that either, then, sure, <laughs> like, sure. If there are fancy restaurants around here, well, not, like, here, here, whatever. I've seen fancy restaurants that are, like, foraging restaurants where they, like, only cook up the stuff that they can, like, forage. Okay. And if they like cooked up a deer that they just like, I'd be like, all right, sure. Sure. I would too. Sure. I'm going to, you know what? I'm going to save it squirrels for you from the road. Bring them to you. Okay. Good. <laughs> from Canada. <laughs> okay. So <laughs> it's a time of year now where like people are, pros are changing over their sponsors. We have a lot of people announcing new sponsorships. Um, we know from previous episodes that people have been struggling to get sponsorships in the triathlon space. A lot is changing. It's true. And I feel like, and it's funny because there's so many people being like, I'm excited to announce my new spot, my new partnership. And also being like, it's been a wonderful time working with such such and such a company, but now I'm moving on. It's like, it starts to be kind of funny and you start Mm -hmm. tracking them a little bit in your head, but here's okay. You're like the triathlon wise figure, Sarah, obviously. And what I want to know is a couple of questions here. First, it's one thing to like know that you have X things you can offer a sponsor and that you're asking for Y and it, and that it's a reasonable deal. But how do you convince them? How do you even get them to like open the email to listen to you? And what are they looking for? I know everyone keeps talking now about how they're looking for more than just results, blah, blah, personality, Instagram. Uh, but tell me, Sarah, what is the secret? Okay. Well, I think first of all, I would say like the, the first thing to remember is that I think it's like a basic rule of marketing. Like you have to make contact seven times before you get through. Like, so that like basic expectation that you're going to send an email, it's going to be responded to just like take that out. Like if, <laughs> if they respond to your email, then like that's, that's winning. Like then, and then you probably have like a really good, whoever's doing the athlete management in that company or whoever's doing the marketing, that that's probably a really good company to be involved with if they actually answer your email the first time. So well, that's true. That's always, that's, that's nice. Yeah. Yeah. So like I would definitely, um, I, actually, if I could go back to, because of course I did a lot of things wrong during my career, but what, what I would do is pick the companies that you really want to work with. I know. Right? Everyone and then, always like, says that. Try to make those seven points of contact, like try to meet people and try to like uh, it's talk still to really people hard. that sponsor other athletes that they sponsor. I would say it's still really hard. Even when you're like, okay, these are the companies I like and I know I like them and you reach out, then you're like, okay, but what is seven point? Like I talked to this person, but then I talked to this other person. Do they talk to each other? How do I like make this all come together? How do they like, how does it all? Cause you know, when athlete reps 
there's usually like a person who manages and maybe you have a good relationship with that person. But then you talk to some other random marketing person at a race. Do they talk to each other? And then that person changes and you're like, fuck. And now you don't like the new person is like, who are you? What? And you're, huh. I don't know how you manage all that. They, they may or may not. Another actually good piece of advice I had recently with regards to Live Feisty and us finding sponsorship is that like when you start working with a company to actually get to know multiple people within the company. If you Interesting. Can. Okay. So that then like that's for that exact reason is like because there's always going to be turnover. Right. But if you're working, if you're like working with someone, but then alongside someone else, you can touch it. If, if you have various touch points and you like each other within the, um, within the company, then you're more likely to work together in the long term. That's actually a good point. Cause that does happen. I mean, that happens to me in like regular work life too, when your person you always work with like changes or leaves mm-hmm. and then the new person just, you know, wants to bring in their own people. doesn't like you, whatever. Yeah. Yeah. But it's then terrible. if you have someone who's got someone else who's got you back, who's like, no, we've worked with, we've worked with Kelly for years. She's an amazing writer. So. Then you're like, see, boom, boom. See. I don't How long do the other thing I think is funny or like, I don't know. Cause I've never signed big sponsorship deals. It's how long do these last? Like what's the, is everybody hustling every year? Like that sounds exhausting. I know it is a little bit exhausting. I do think that people, the people who get the better sponsorship deals either have managers who aren't exhausted by that or just like naturally are just not as exhausted by that process as, <laughs> as many of us are. Yeah. Um, I think also the ones that are willing to go the extra mile. I know that's like such a terrible thing. It to is say. terrible. That's terrible advice. It's just terrible so you know. advice, but it's so, so true. Like if you're able to, like if you put together a package that says like all the things that you offer to your sponsors in 2018 and mm-hmm. all the things you're going to offer in 2019 and it looks nice and you send it to them, like you are more likely to get sponsored than if you just send them an email. Well, yeah. I mean, obviously everyone sends email, but then I heard one girl told me like she printed up resumes and like brought them to Kona and like handed them out to people. I was like, I don't know. Like, I guess you could do that. Well, that would be one of your seven pieces of contact. <laughs> your seven pieces. Right. Of like, contact. so but going there and expecting something to come back immediately to you from that one yeah. resume. I don't know. I know recently, um, I've been doing a little hiring for Live Feisty and somebody sent me a video. Oh, did That's that stand out to you or was it just like, whoa, this is intense? No, it was great. I was like, okay. I was like, that shows a little, just showed a little initiative, you know, I liked it. Okay. Okay. So initiative going the extra mile. I actually feel like I've decided this year that I'm not hustling. I'm just like people I like, the people that like the company, you know what I mean? The, the companies I like, the people I like going with it. I'm not going to like what's the word I'm looking for? You know, make the rounds and try and like reach out to every single person. And yeah, I mean, I, like, yeah. if I'm, to be honest with you, like when I was an athlete, I was kind of like in the middle zone. Like I was, I wasn't at the top, you know, mm-hmm. like I was kind of in the middle zone was like still hard to get. I had some contracts, but it's hard to get still. And I had to hustle and, or try to hustle. And at some point I just decided I'd rather do more coaching then right. go through the ringer every single year. And, and the coaching was so much more rewarding than, you know, trying to provide value to companies or figure out what that was like year in, year out. So I did have some sponsorship contracts, but in the end, that was just like a personal decision that I made that I just enjoyed it more. I think it makes sense. I mean, I think this is a wholly separate question. It's a totally separate thing, but you hear that a lot from like, obviously what is a pro athlete or a pro triathlete? There's a mm-hmm. number of people who don't make their income from triathlon. They make it for some other way and they just race as a pro because they want to, and they've made a decision. They're going to be, they're going to make their income as a doctor and they're like, not going to do the 
sponsorship thing or they're only going to do the companies they like and they like want to work with right yeah i make my income like mostly 80 percent other ways right like i'm like i don't totally i'm raising what i want to raise i agree with you and i think that i actually think that like when you because now i know quite a lot of industry people from the inside right who are frustrated by how little the pro athletes do for them or pro athletes who do not fulfill the contract right so like so because typically you're not typically you don't just get a contract that says hey you're a pro athlete so just go race and do whatever the hell you want to do and we're (laughs) going to pay you a paycheck like that is not what the contract says right like you're you're still on a work contract right so true true like if you if you decide you want to work at something else like being a doctor is a bit of an extreme example, but like, if but there you, are, there are literal people, there are little, you know, that which pros I'm talking about. There are pros who are doctors. doctors like that's a yeah. thing. Yeah. Okay, sure. And so if that's, if you want to be a doctor and that's where you'd rather put your time, then like, then what you need to do for your sponsor contracts or what you need to do to ongoingly get those sponsor contracts, because right, that right. is like, a massive percentage of the work is just it like, is it's the contracts drive me a little nuts sometimes because like I don't I like when they're explicit about like we expect you to represent you know at events and like always whatever be it never wear competitors in photos like all that kind of stuff like that makes sense post on social like media give us feedback on like all that but when they're like you must post four times a week on social media in our exact language you're like no sorry <laughs> right Right. Like, and then, and then sometimes I'm like, sometimes the contracts go so far as to be like, you know, like I run social media as a job and also I like do communications and I get paid a lot more for that right. than this contract. Exactly. FYI. Right. So if you're like, I would rather do, like, I would rather do social media for another company and get paid for that right. than do it for myself because a company is paying me to be a pro athlete, then it's all good. It's all okay. So this brings us to our big topic for the week, Sarah. Okay. It's all like a hustle, right? Which is like part of this whole, okay. It's part of what's so exhausting for people my age. I'm going to say my age, not your age, our generation. I like included this in the newsletter this week and we'll include the link to the story in the show notes. But there, there was an article this week that got shared a lot among my friends that was called like the, how millennials became the burnout generation. But it's on the heels of a number of other articles I read on the topic, which are basically that our generation is screwed. It's it's, it's a little bit fucked because civic institutions are eroding under us, right? Like we were told do X things and it'll pay off. Take on huge amounts of student debt, which has in the US, again, not in Canada, has accelerated as like three times what it was 20 years ago, but it'll pay off, right? Like do that and you'll get a really steady job and you'll like, it'll be great. But that's not the case anymore, right? Like those things don't, don't exist. Like, like people don't have jobs like they used to that last forever. Like the retirement system isn't going to be there. You can't buy into the housing structure that like, not like there's all kinds of stats about how young people can't buy into housing and like have huge amounts of speakers because of the huge amounts of student debt that they're carrying, whatever. And everything we've been told though, is like just hustle harder. And this is why so many people my age to a degree, and you need to read the article guys, before you argue with me, it makes more sense. There's lots of numbers. But this is why so many people just feel so fucking tired because you're like, just hustle harder. Just get another side gig, even if it doesn't have health benefits, like just make it like it's on you. It's a game. You can win the game. Just work harder. Okay, here's my question for you. Did you did you ever buy into that or believe it that you were going to get? that you were going to get one job, you you got your, you know, you got your degrees, you're going to get one job. It's not even, 
I don't even think like no one my age even thinks they're going to retire. Like, okay, that's not true. I said this to a friend who has like a very steady job on the East Coast. And she was like, of course, I'm going to retire. But no one I know, like out here on the West Coast, like really thinks they're going to retire. Right. So no, like, no, I didn't. And but it was more like it's not that people thought, I think, that I'm going to be at GE for 30 years. I don't think anyone really thought that. But it was like they thought it would all pay off. Right. That there were still going to be like social systems and structures and safety nets that like if you did what you were supposed to do which obviously like in a larger sense that some of the other cultural issues happening in the country right now because people feel like they were screwed but on a generational sense mm-hmm. and i mean think about it think about how much i mean I, again i don't know how it is in canada but think about how much it is in the u.s like just hustling hustling has changed its meaning in the last 10 years there are so many side gigs nothing has benefits anymore like this is just it's just true i mean it's true statistically you can look at like workforce numbers like it's cha- like it is yeah right? it is like yes yes i agree it is true um wh- one thing that i do notice though is that a lot of the people that i know or the millennials that i know have have also like in addition to maybe those structures not being there for them to fall back on have also opted out right yeah i mean i like i have opted out but was that like it's also like was that a choice or was that part of like how you were societally like i opted out also because like when i graduated like options were limited there were only like you could have gotten x job that was a regular job but it was like shitty and also it didn't follow your passion and you were told like you should follow your passion and pursue your dreams and have a job that's reward and all this other there's a mm-hmm. lot of it's issues a lot here, of Sarah. things going on it's a yeah. lot of stuff yeah <laughs> yeah for sure and i okay sorry i have to like I, I know there's a lot of arguments against this but i'm just gonna put it out here okay okay, okay. is that okay. like i always go back to um to this because one time when I was younger my mom told me and it like lit, like sat with me that like when she was 19 years old she felt like she had a choice between nursing and teaching if she was going to have a career right? right so like for me and I know this is like I'm being so simplistic right now but <laughs> that like it's like somebody it's like saying you're sick and someone says at least you don't have cancer like I, I know that it's, <laughs> this is a terrible argument but <laughs> like you but like, if you look at how, especially as women, like how few choices we had, even just like my mom's 30 years older than me, even just that generation ago, right? I, there's part of me that feels that that thought is empowering for me because I'm like, okay, well, at least I have, like, I have a million freaking choices. Like that's actually part of the problem. Yeah. I, yeah. There's certainly like a degree of which when you look at like generational issues and like culture, like there are too many choices almost and so many things. And when you want, you want to talk about women though, and like a whole nother factor there is like, all right, so you have all these choices now. So like, why aren't you satisfied being a mom and a career woman? Like what's wrong with you? Like make it work, do the, the second shift when you get home. And there's so many stats about like, even though men are doing slightly more housework at home, like women are still doing what like what's really happened is the degree of housework overall has gone down men aren't doing that much more does that make sense like yeah, yeah. what's really happened is like n- all of us just have like n- like nothing clean in our house we're and we don't cook and we're all just to, to clean right, up after basically yeah. <laughs> and so like and and it must be your fault because you just haven't like found right? like you're just not optimizing your self-care to like find the right life hack to make it all work right mm-hmm. like that's kind of what we've all internalized right yeah so like somewhere between like seeing like acknowledging that there are 
like societal structures that have been like crumbled and are working against a generation of people. Right. And like, then not turning around and blaming the people, like not going, okay, millennials get your shit together. Right. Right. Which tends to be the tendency, right? Like we're all lazy and yeah, that does tend to be the tendency. So then the question then is like, where's the middle ground? Like, where's that? Because I do, one thing I do think is that no matter what, we're not going to make any, no change is going to happen unless we, and I'm saying we, like I'm not a millennial, but anyway, unless we (laughs) feel like empowered to make that change, like so long as we're like, oh, we don't have any choices. The world is working against us. Oh, 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 like change is not going to happen. So there is a piece to it, like where somehow on some level, we do have to be empowered, even though I'm like not going to point at any individual and tell them like, Hey, you get empowered. Get empowered. Do it. Get your shit together over there and get empowered. But like, what do we do? How do we make change? Well, I think like to a degree so far, everyone's kind of been like, well, I like, this is the game now. I just need to win the game. Right. And that's what like the last 10 years, 50 years of like millennials of everyone I know has been like winning the game, hustling harder, making it work, answering emails later at night, like never take, right. Like all that stuff. Um, and now I think there's a larger shift to like, why don't we fucking change the game? I think when you like, there's a reason you're having more millennials than ever run for office. There's a reason there is like a huge percentage of like a huge amount of youth activism right now. Um, like disproportionate, like historically. And I think when we look back like history books in 20 years, it's going to be like, there's, we're going to say like, this was a societal, you know how there are always like trends, like the sixties were marked by anti-authoritarianism, et cetera. Mm-hmm. Like we're going to say that right now there's a reason there's like a massive shift towards like capitalistic, um, structures are failing us, right. That there's like a wait, why don't we recreate these like social safety nets that used to exist? Like, I think there's like this shit, like societal push move to like fix what is broken. If that not that that's going to happen overnight, but I'm just saying this is my big picture sky high. Yeah. View. So more people are starting to feel empowered to change the game. Like you said, like, I think we right. see it a lot in like the number of women in particular or people of color that are running for office is a great example. Yeah. Um, but like, okay, so here's my question for you. How okay. are you, Kelly, right now changing the game? How am I changing the game? Oh, fuck, Sarah. I'm like just trying to like keep it together, right? (laughs) Like that was the other thing this week. All my friends who read this article were basically like, fuck, it's not just me. Like we're all like being like, shit, I am exhausted. Mm -hmm. And it's not just me. I don't know. That's an interesting question. How am I changing the game? Well, I think, okay. So I think, for example, I do think like in a very, very, on a very, very like micro level, I think that doing this podcast is is like part of changing the game. Like we're changing the conversation. We're adding a new conversation to how we talk about triathlon. Right. Obviously I like think there's like very specific things that can happen, like that I work towards in like sports and specifically in triathlon and like representation and all that. Uh, Those aren't exactly like larger economic movements, but I think there are like issues, you know, that we, that I like we care about yeah Sarah, like in terms and of the, we in the beehive right? right it's like it's like okay maybe well for me anyway it's like maybe i'm not going to i'm not going to go into politics right so like what what game what what piece of the game am i going to try to have an effect on right and mm-hmm. like i actually don't even mind that that piece is really small right okay. like as long as i feel like i'm playing my part there's actually all kinds of i we talked about this a little bit at the summit, but I'm a big believer in all the like the behind the scenes, the connecting and the like one little 
you know, one little thing you can do, like pushing one person into, and mm. I'm like a big behind the scenes, like person, like let's connect these people and make this thing happen. Um, and a lot of times those pay off down the road. Yeah. I've seen them pay off. Yeah. Yeah. I agree. So, so cool. Okay. I'd like All to right. know how people at home are changing the game. Change. Or the if game. they even understood. <laughs> Well, our, our metaphor there what the hell just like, we're what? Yeah. <laughs> I did have one friend and I she might be listening who I one time was talking about the rise of the gig economy and she was like what's the gig economy and I was like it's all of San Francisco so, <laughs> <laughs> so I yeah I wonder if people are like no none of this identify they I don't, don't identify, identify this at all okay we would like to know do you identify <laughs> and how are you changing the game we want to hear from you okay and and after the break we're going to talk a little bit more about goals We would like to thank Ask Kicker Inc. for supporting the podcast. And remember to go to livefeisty.com, click on shop, and use the code RIDING to order your Live Feisty tanks, tees, hoodies, and leggings. Follow at If We Were Riding on Facebook, Instagram, and Twitter. And subscribe to our feed on iTunes or wherever you listen. If We Were Riding is produced by Live Feisty Media and is hosted by Kelly O'Mara and me, Sarah Gross. Our awesome editor is Aaron Hamilton. My time, my time. None of you people can tell me to stop this time like the last time. You better get ready to race in the top. I'm ready to do this, show you what the truth is. I step on the field, it's time to get real. I'm feeling so ruthless. Okay, so Kelly, last week... I said I was going to share my goals and I'm not ready yet. Oh man, I haven't, Sarah, I haven't finished my mind mapping, <laughs> but I wanted to put it out there for our listeners because I thought we should give them the opportunity. Like, did, did you find it to be a positive thing that you shared your goals? I don't know. I'm up and down, Sarah. I'm still up and down. A lot of people congratulated me on sharing my goals and I feel a little bad because, okay, you know, you have like a gut feel. Well, think mm-hmm. back to sports. When you have like gut feelings about like what race you should do or like when you should go after something. Mm-hmm. Right. So like I tend to actually like change things as my gut changes throughout the year. Yeah. So all these people are congratulating me and I keep being like, guys, like it might, my gut might change. I like, I'm having some like gut, like feelings. Right. I don't know. Well, the good thing is that we do the newsletter and the podcast every week. <laughs> so, so you can like, let you know, we could have I like my Kelly's mind. updated goal section. <laughs> the segment. Um, <laughs> okay. So we wanted to put it out there to our listeners in case anyone wants to share their goals and thus be accountable to us and to other listeners. So if you want to send us a voicemail, send it to Sarah at livefeisty.com and we will play your goals. You people can tell me to stop my town, my crown. We know what it takes to be reaching the top. We're reaching the top. We're reaching the top. We know what it takes to be reaching the top. <laughs>